Welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt. I am Chris here in the middle of the great state of Michigan, the Great Lakes State, the Detroit Lions State, uh, fragile state of mind for some other sports right now, uh, but that's a subject for a different podcast. Um, my co-host tonight, who I'll introduce in a minute, can absolutely relate on all those fronts. Uh, but first, how to get in touch with the show. Uh, we really appreciate some feedback we received recently. We would love to get more content out there. We're working on some fresh things for the new year. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing that to you. Of course, you can find all of our social media links at halfpod.com. Um, there you can listen to latest episodes, get feedback about the show, find out where to watch Eintracht Frankfurt, where to watch the Bundesliga, and um, all of the associated um tournaments that our teams are playing in. Uh, we've got a great map on there. We've received six submissions now in the last couple of weeks for new uh, watering holes, new pubs and restaurants that are showing Frankfurt and the Bundesliga on the regular. So certainly send us your submissions there so we can add those to the map as a good resource for, for listeners around the world. Uh, so speaking of around the world, I'm going to go down the street and introduce my great friend, Garrett, down in the Detroit area. Garrett, uh, it's been an up and down week uh, and month and fall here locally. And it looks like the Eintracht are following the exact same pattern of behavior, wouldn't you say? You know, we have seen some wild ass weather in the state of Michigan, I say, lately, especially today. I don't like leaving work tonight it's wild sideways snow and wind and i'm like it's uh we're seeing some turbulence and there's definitely turbulence in the great hessian city of frankfurt and our dear diadler um not as turbulent as you've mentioned this um our fucking basketball team here but uh, <laughs> as we sit here recording on uh, the night of December 18th, I just got an update that your Detroit Pistons lost their 23rd game in a row. And going back to our previous episode discussion about who will win more matches by the end of the year, uh, thanks to Eintracht upsetting Bayern, that's looking like a pretty good bet at this moment. Fun fact. That Eintracht would win more than your Fun business. Fact. The Detroit Lions have now won as many games in the last two seasons of NFL football as the Detroit Pistons have in basketball. I, I got nothing else. I, I can't even go any you, deeper. Uh, we've already lost half the listeners, but if you know just how pathetic that is, that is the fragile state of mind. Uh, that Garrett and I have to live in every single day. And then we're back in the Eintracht Frankfurt swing, doing it all over again. So that's what we're here to talk about. That's what we're going to get right into. Um, we didn't have an opportunity to record after the last round of matches. Uh, I fell ill. Uh, I appreciate Garrett doing everything he's been doing to fill in. Um, but we had a lot of content and just not enough time to get it in. So we're going to go over it a little briefly right now, starting with uh, Frauen. Uh, we're in action in Champions League play. I'm not going to call this one a stunner, um, but a 1-0 loss on the road in Portugal to Benfica. Um, 
You know what? It was a back and forth match all the way. Benfica's goal in the 71st minute. Uh, Tanya Pavalic turnover, certainly, you know, very reliable on her end usually. Um, but there are tons of turnovers in this match, both directions, teams with just sloppy turnovers back and forth. They had zero, zero written all over it. Um, but a, a really nice low swinging in ball, uh, kind of high in the box up near the top. And Sarah Dorson kind of lunged at the ball. Wasn't sure if she should play it with her head or her chest. And uh, the the woman who brought it down, uh, Marie Asman Alidu, um, just a heck of a nice job bringing it down with her chest, playing it on the first volley, and a wicked shot uh, past Cena Johannes. So an outstanding goal. It's tough to lose on one like that because I thought they deserved one point out of it. Um, Garrett, any thoughts on that one? I mean, it, it wasn't a deflating loss, but certainly, you know, it, being that it cost us that second spot in the table, falling down to third now, a little bit concerning, but are you too concerned yet? Not yet, because I think, you know, it's a tough loss, but I think it's something like, this is a lesson, I feel like, of what happens when you're not clinical with your chances. Because I really love how we were moving the ball from defense to attack. I like their tempo. But in just at times in that first half, especially in particular in part of that second half, we weren't completely sharp in the final third. And, you know, Benfica started to creep in a little bit in the second half, and Stina Johannes had to work a bit. And like I said, you know, you lose the ball in transition, and, you know, Benfica have sh- showed why they are who they are. I mean, that's the game. We le- And, you know, it's a, learning, it's a good learning lesson to have. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not bothered about it now. We need to see how this week goes, which we'll talk about later. And then we can be like, was it a blimp? Was it a brief blip in the thing? Or is it maybe a more concerning side? Yep. And we're going to preview the the return match uh, for Benfica coming in Frankfurt later in the episode. Uh, but the last point I wanted to mention was the quality that we're seeing in Champions League play on the women's side with teams like Barcelona and Benfica. Uh, that we've seen to this point is that final third that you mentioned. The defense in the box is a lot stronger. In the Bundesliga, we're accustomed to scoring quite a few slam dunk goals. Aniomi or Martinez or uh, Dunst, you name it, they're on the doorstep putting the ball in from, you know, six to eight yards out. That's not the case in the Champions League. It's hard to break these defenses down that far. And I think that's what we we're trying to do against Benfica. It wasn't working. And it's up to Nico and his team to figure out how to turn that around uh, this week. So the next match we're going we're gonna to get to, back to the men's side. Um, a difficult one. It, it was kind of a throwaway match, uh, but it set a tone and not in a good way. Um, Aberdeen 2, Eintracht Frankfurt 0. Europa champion, sorry, I did it again. Europa Conference League play, a game that meant nothing for Eintracht really as far as the standings. We're already through to the next round of the tournament. But for Aberdeen, they were playing for pride. They hadn't won a home match in European competition in almost 20 years. And once again, it was the middle 20 that killed us. I, I, I sound like a broken record. I rant and rave about it. I, I'm tired of saying the same thing week after week. But that middle 20 minutes of the match killed us again. 
you know, Makoto Hasebe slips uh, when tracking back after a turnover. It's okay. That's going to happen. But great execution on a low pass. And, you know, I thought Trap should have made a better effort on the cross to to move out to try to, to intercept the ball instead of moving across to try and block the shot. I thought it was a higher percentage opportunity in that situation. Um, you know, what do I know? I stopped playing goalkeeper when I was 14. But it just, to me, it looked like one of those efforts where Trap's not in the right frame of mind. And we'll certainly talk about that later. And the second goal in the second half, uh, just a nicely played ball over the top by Aberdeen. A beautiful, beautiful over-the-top ball. And at that point, there was no fight from us. Um, that was a defeat from the word go. And I don't think there was any other way about it. Garrett? You know, it's um, I'm going to talk about, and you knew what my main point I was going off about on Thursday, which is probably a good thing that we decided to record tonight instead of you know, recording immediately after that match. Um, unfortunate that both Omar Marmosh and Farish Chaimi were out with colds. Glad it was just colds and not anything more than that. Um, but we were already knew we were on to what the initial round of knockout of 16. I know I've said the round of 32, and I know I needed to correct myself from earlier on that. But, okay, Elias <laughs> Baum started. Really great to see. But not enough rotation to my liking, especially when Dina and Bembe then injures his foot, sprains his foot, has to take the boot off, gets subbed off. Is that the same boot that he got hurt foot he got hurt with last season? Um, so I'm angry about that, and I'm angry that we didn't rotate more, give Nacho Ferry a start, these type of things. In addition to the performance in that well done Aberdeen they were up for it they've shown glimpses in this group stage when they've played the two times they played Pauk they gave us fits in Frankfurt earlier in the year um, but this one was a bit a tough pill to swallow one for the lack of rotation and two it just felt like ah, I think it was a better performance than the Sarbrooken loss but not by much you know I I agree with what you're saying about the, the rotation. I think it was important coming off of um, off the match the previous weekend where we were on an emotional high. I think it was a little bit important to keep that routine going. Uh, we talked so often about how it would be classic Eintracht to go beat Byron 5-1 to one and then follow it up with a loss to Aberdeen. Well, that is classic contract. That is the diva in the mirror, and she's closer than she appears. She's scary. Um, you know, there's a lot of people saying you got to bust that myth. Well, we have that nickname. We have that stereotype. We are the moody diva because that's what we come out with. Uh, we play up or down to the opponent, and Aberdeen played like they wanted to win, and that's what they did. So if anybody, you know, wants to come out and say, oh, we got to shake that, there, there's only one way to shake that narrative, to shake the, the ugly nickname, it's to smash the mirror, shatter the glass and say, that's not our identity anymore. And here's what we're doing to prove it. But when you come out to Aberdeen and what do we pull here? Uh, 78% possession, six shots on target, maybe, maybe two quality shots. That's not going to do it. 
And on the other end, we allow two shots on target and both of them are goals. Um, well-deserved goals at that. But Aberdeen was patient. They waited for their opportunity and they struck. Um, now we're going to talk a little more about Kevin Trapp later. Uh, I don't know if him being subbed off was something that was discussed prior to the match, uh, getting, getting, uh, Grawl in there for some time on the pitch. I don't know. Um, I don't know if Trapp's feeling right. We'll, we'll get more to that later. Uh, Ansgar Knauf came in, Nacho Ferry came in, didn't change anything. You know, those are, those are two guys that are supposed to be game changers for us. They have the pace, have the change of, of speed and tempo in their legs to, to turn things in our favor. And that didn't happen again. It's getting a little frustrating to see Garrett where, you know, a match like that, where we should be the victors to come out the way we did just flat from the start. Uh, it makes you question some things Were we, do you think more, let me phrase it this way. Were we emotionally drained from the victory over Bayern or were we caught looking ahead to a weekend matchup with Leverkusen? What did it look like from your side? I think we went into that match, maybe one part like, okay, let's see what it brings. But we didn't have that full-on aggression when we win. We had that, let's build into this game and we'll get it going. We should be able to get it going. Like we've seen in the first half part of this season, what we saw in our run of form before the Bayern game, kind of like they were treating it like a glorified training session. Um, and then yeah. Mbembe got hurt. That went off. That went off as that went off script. Trying to think of the right word, and then they allow a goal, and they're like, "Well, fuck, what do we do?" Um, but they didn't do too much. Then they give up that second goal, and it's like, "Well, this is what it is," and it sucks because I think the that those things at moments of being turned off is why we lost this group. We, in my opinion, yeah, Palker a good side. They went what five and one in the group, or four and two, four wins, two draws. They didn't lose a game in the group. My point being is no disrespect yeah. to Palk, but why are the team that we saw that five one Bayern that were three one two nil and three one up on Dortmund that have taken teams to limits at times? Where the fuck was this team in the Conference League group that should have been there? Because now we have to play two more games in February with a stretch squad that currently that's concerning. It's terrifying. Absolutely. Uh, there, you know, some of the themes from this match, we're going to talk about again in a minute. So we'll keep going through our calendar here um, and catch us up into the, the previous or the last weekend here, just a few days ago, uh, Saturday, December 16th, uh, the Frauen were back in action uh, 4-0 victory over Freiburg. This is one I was a little bit concerned about just from the sense that um, Freiburg had a nice victory um, the previous week, and they're, they're a team that plays with speed. Uh, I'm sorry. Eintracht had the, the nice victory the previous week, but against teams with speed on the outside that move the ball around in a similar way we talked about uh the way that 
that Benfica was moving the ball. That's a similar way that Freiburg placed. Now there's a difference in quality, and I think that was the difference in this one. Uh, Eintracht getting two, well, one early goal, uh, Barbara Dunst, and then an own goal in the 41st to really solidify the match. Uh, unfortunately, it was unavailable where I lived. I haven't had a chance to see highlights. Garrett, I know you looked through it. Was there anything that caught your eye? On the second go? Well, you know, I think you actually were right about Freiburg having a good win last week because the reason why we were able to be in third place after beating Hoffenheim was because Freiburg went in and beat Essen. So. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that one. So, you know, they drew Bayern in opening match day. So you knew there was some quality in that squad and they were at home. And they looked like they, you know, they play in the same ground as the men. But what I really loved about. No, no, they're they're playing in the old men's that's stadium. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, remember Freiburg had the new men's stadium. Okay, that's yeah. what it is. The structure is so close, it still makes me think of that. One of my favorites. I I've been to that stadium. It is incredible. It's just an old world design. It's still pretty well maintained, even though the the number one men's side has moved out. Uh, their their uh, reserve teams and the women's teams play there. Uh, but it's a beautiful facility. The mountains in the background, it's just, it's classic. Agreed. And I think, you know what, it was great to see how the Frauen, because like, okay, were they going to be disappointed with this or were they going to be like, Wednesday stunk a little bit. Let's get this out of our system. And they got it out of their system immediately because the glorified training session sort of like get patient like too patient approach of like you're you know you're driving down i don't know what your busy road is by you maybe grand river still in there up up for your garage but it's like van dyke for me when you're waiting to get past the highway to get you know those that are trying to get on 696 and then you start speeding we didn't we didn't have (laughs) credit to nico and the lady and the frow and ladies because they didn't have that patience they just fucking hit the gas and went right at them early um and well that that's important you know regardless of the sport as we're talking soccer here but you know you and I were watching a hockey game earlier tonight I was watching some basketball earlier um it doesn't matter what the sport is uh to use a boxing reference when you get punched in the face the worst thing you can do is sit back and think about it you know you got to get on the attack as soon as possible right. and i think there was a moment of embarrassment for this Frauen side where they said, hey, we we messed up in Portugal. We got to get this back here. And you saw that from the start with Barbara Dunst getting that one in the 23rd and and just keeping the, the pedal to the metal there. The stats back it up, right. too. Um, they had The stats don't even show the quality of the play. Um, we, we had some good feedback from those in Europe that were watching live. And they said, you know, 55% possession felt like more, more like 70. When you play that kind of game where you're in control from start to finish, you can let Freiburg pass the ball around all they want, but they're not being effective with it. Exactly. And I think that was important to see. Yeah. And I think Shakira Martinez, um, great. She really getting yes. involved in this match. Um, didn't get on the score sheet as far as a goal, but she was the reason, a key. Uh, reason, especially in the second half of us putting the match away. Um, two goals in the first half. Talked about Dunce. Another great ball out wide. Prashnikar gets in, finds the space to Dunce. Dunce, cool, calm, collected. Um, Frygain was causing issues. Again, 
She didn't get a goal, but she's responsible for that own goal that happened to make a two 0 to the Frauen. Um, so it was like it was like we know what we got to do. It's basically like open highway, hit the cruise control, and just roll. Um, and that's what that was. And I think you know, especially with what happened elsewhere in the league, great weekend for the Frauen. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, the standings here because this is the last we're going to talk about the Frauen uh, in Bundesliga play uh, for this episode. So where things stand here at the midpoint, uh, well, not the midpoint of the season schedule, um, but the midpoint of the Frauen schedule, they are currently sitting third. Sorry, I was... On the men's table, I knew that wasn't right. Uh, the, the women are sitting third, uh, 20 points from 10 matches. Uh, Wolfsburg, thanks to some interesting play around the league where Bayern dropped points um, in really inc incredible style. Um, a match that they had no business uh, really losing any points at all. They come out with a draw 1-1 against Nuremberg. Uh, but that really sets up an interesting second half of the schedule now um, with 12 match days to go. Uh, and things are tighter than I thought they would be at the top of the table there. Uh, Wolfsburg in first, 25 points. Bayern second, 24. And Frankfurt third with 20. Uh, Hoffenheim and SESN hanging around with 17. I don't think either one of them has legs to play it out is strong in the second half. A lot of these teams are going to beat up on each other the second time around. And this is where, you know, the, the cream of the crop rises to the top. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. Eintracht still has a play to get into those two top spots, but the matches are there. They're available for us. Uh, any thoughts, Garrett, on the Frauen table? You know, it's wild because we're talking about it from a 10-game perspective. I want to talk about it from the Frauen from an 8-game perspective. In an 8-game perspective, their last 8 games where 24 points have been on the table, they've collected 20 of them. And 6 wins, 2 draws after starting the season off losing to Essen and Wolfsburg. That is a hell of a way to respond yep. after that. And it's yep. that type of form that keeps you in a title race. So they know that they can't slip up like they did early on. And I think they're aware of that. Um, so, you know, you get another crack at Bayern. You get another crack at Essen. You get another crack at Wolfsburg. You get another crack at Hoffenheim and Leverkusen. Keep things going in the right direction, and and who knows what could happen. Yeah, and they've done it in a way that I talked about. You know, if you're going to drop the points to Wolfsburg, you have to make it up against the Freibergs and and um, the Werder Bremens. You you have to make up the points against the teams you're supposed to win, and then steal those from those you're not supposed to. Now we we're in a position now where we need to ask for help. But there's plenty of time left in the table for that to help for that help to come our way. Um, let's transition to a team that needs a lot of help in a lot of different areas. 
the final match review for this episode, the match that occurred 36 hours ago, and I've basically already wiped it from my mind. Uh, Track Frankfurt goes to a house of horrors uh, for our club, Leverkusen. And yeah, uh, Garrett, you were throwing some stats to me that I chose to totally disregard. But how long has it been now since we had any success in that building? The last time we got a point in Lever- at the Bay Arena in Leverkusen was December of 2014. The last time that we won a game at the Bay Arena in Jeez. Leverkusen, December of 2013. The last time before that, 2008. So nobody really expected us to go in there and take points, uh, if we're being honest. In our predictor league, I think I was the only person that predicted a victory. And that's only because I read the boxes wrong and I, I actually predicted a 3-0 score. I just entered it wrong into the spreadsheet. So, you know what? I own it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm you have my, po- you but, have my positive uh, optimism that I normally take for this one. So, fair play. You know, it's really the only thing I had going for me going into this one. I wasn't comfortable with where we were. I didn't think we had any chance, especially the way that things went against Aberdeen. You know, you thought maybe we just play better, lose a close one, show a little bit of fight. Um, could we have shown any less fight? I mean, our, our number one offensive weapon in this match was fucking Tuta who is playing out of position 90% of the oh, match. Oh, how angry was I in the group chat when that was when he kept doing that? <laughs> um, you know, I will say this, fair play, because I'm looking, unfortunately, so I'm watching the Bundesliga highlights on very low volume here, so Nathan doesn't get mad at me when he produces this. Um, and I'm seeing that Mbembe actually made the starting lineup after that foot injury, so fair play to him on that. He you did. Brave, you brave one. You never would have noticed. No, but, he had no impact. No, because... We didn't even have impact as a team in general. When Tuta is bombing up in the attack to create chances against the team that, let's be honest, we've talked about it. The year in, from year last year to where they're at now, the best team in German football is Bayer Leverkusen and Xabi Alonso is coaching. That's credit to him and, you know, the players playing like yeah. their manager because he still has that quality. He can still go on and, you know, dominate people on the pitch from midfield. Um, the problem is, that aggressive approach that we showed taking on Bayern Munich and um, getting five and, you know, not the first time we've seen that, but that was a mere afterthought when you look at how the team, I think the first five, ten minutes they may have given us like, hey, maybe there's a chance, maybe there's this, and then they gave the ball up and Boniface made it 1-0. It's like, oh, no, just kidding, and you know how the rest of it goes. You know, we joked about it a lot in our Discord chat leading into the match. What the hell was this formation we ran out? And the location of players in this, I've never seen us run a group out in this type of organization before. I feel like it's the wrong time of the year and the wrong opponent to try and see what what we can mess around with and do differently. I know coming out of Aberdeen, we all called for something, but anything. But was this it? Mm, nah. I mean, and I'm just seeing the second goal here. Losing balls in transition. I understand the idea of like a four in a back shape because I think it worked against Bayern and two things on there. 
But the problem is when you're putting weird positions, and I think it was kind of a – people weren't tied to those positions. Does that make sense? It was kind of a fluid – people in fluid things. Maybe that's why Tuna was high up all the time. But you have to keep the ball when you have it. You can't lose the ball in situations where teams like Leverkusen with their pace and transition can make you pay for it. And that's what they did on all three goals. Because, uh, like, I'm even seeing here as Xavi Alonso is putting his arms over the shoulder of Florian Wirtz and providing direction, um, transition play, Boniface, and, oh, yeah, there's this 20-year-old kid that's running head-on at Kevin Trapp, and that's their third goal. <laughs> Was there a point in this match where you said, hey, that's something we have going for us, or, oh, we can work with this? I mean, really, there was nothing for me, whether it was, whether it was Chibi out there or, um, even, you know, Tuta trying to make himself a storyline. There was just no point where I said, you know what? That guy's feeling it today. Goza, uh, really never had any business being out there. Hugo Larson was almost invisible. Um, and Cuckoo had the start and I didn't even realize he had started. I thought when I saw him at one point, I thought he'd come off the bench. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this is one match I'm not going to put on Kevin Trapp recently because uh, he had nothing in front of him. And I don't know, Garrett. Um, you know, we got a match preview coming up later in this episode. And, I mean, we're a few minutes away from it. I still don't know what direction I'm going to take it because I don't know what to ask to change from what we saw on, on Sunday. I mean, we put out our highest quality talent that we have available. Can argue, you know, without Marmouche, who is suspended, I believe, um, that is what it is. But beyond that, we had capable Bundesliga starters out there or those that, you know, Marcus Croce thinks are, are Bundesliga starters. What do we got to do to get through to these guys and say, you just whipped the 11 time defending champions five to one. And then you're going to come out seven days later and drop an egg on, you know, Chris's predicted winner, but still certainly right in that same argument with Byron, uh, you're going to drop a three nil defeat. I, this is why we have that nickname. I don't want to keep falling back to it, but. There's no simple answer to it other than the fact that this team is not mentally tough. Tell me I'm wrong. You're right because it's not about – there's as much as much as this game has to do with talented players, there's also intent. Um, one highlight, brief highlight, if anything, from Sunday was that Elish Scary was able to come back, come back after his injury – he set up a great little ball over a ping ball over to Chaibi, who, you know, forced a great save for Hurdeki, but then Leverkusen hit the cross hit the crossbar in the post in separate occasions. Yeah. Um, so that's a good high high spot, if anything. But we talked about what we liked about the Frauen. The Frauen are showing intent. They're showing aggression. They're showing these things. We're not seeing this consistently from Dino. When we see that in Ferdino, they bring results, they bring fire, they bring success. But the problem is, why aren't we getting that regularly? Is it the guy, is it the player's mental fortitude? Is it the manager? Is it a little bit of everything? Is it Marcus Krolsha trying 
to build the squad in his image, and he's not quite there yet. I don't know. So here, here's where I have an issue with this because you know it, I get the idea that maybe the messaging isn't there from from the managing managing staff that you you know need to motivate your guys this or that. Look, these are grown ass men and professionals making more in a week than I make in a exactly. month. Maybe them more than I make in a year for some of these guys. What the fuck more motivation do you need than to get out there and play the game and, and play with some heart? I don't care if you go and lose to Leverkusen. I think they're winning the league. I think they're the best team in the league. Certainly the most robust and well-built and and built to last through the rigors of a 40-plus game season. They win a trouble as well if you think about but, Europa League too. Yeah, they could. And I, I think the way the mindset, look at look at what Xavi's done with the mindset over there. They may not win every match. They may lose matches, but they are going to be tough in every single one. And I can't tell you the last time Eintracht Frankfurt minus what is looking more and more like a fluke in that 5-1 victory to Bayern um, just doesn't have the mental mindset to play back-to-back complete 90-minute matches. Hell, back-to-back 60-minute segments. Um, you know, going back to the end of the Bayern match where we, we closed things out, we took care of business, we have done absolutely nothing in, in that span. And it's, I mean, all I want for Christmas right now is the winter pause. Because, Jesus, man, we cannot... We cannot have another 20-minute segment of play with no shots on goal and 80% possession but only 50% passing. Like, those are the kinds of things where we just – I don't know. I You got to stop me. You got to – or tell me I'm you wrong. You know what Am this I, reminds me of? You know – This reminds me of the 2019-2020 season. Our, because remember the first time we saw a watch party against Bayern, it was a 5-1 loss. 5 1 win. Yeah. And then yeah. a few days. 5 1 win. And then a few days later, they lose in Belgium to Liega, squandered a bunch of chances. Then they they only won one more game the rest of that calendar year. And that was a come from behind win at Arsenal on Thanksgiving Day. Um, blew a game against Vitoria at home in Europa League and thankfully went from winning the group to barely getting it out of as the second team. Um, so I think the problem is, and then we were seeing the issues. We lost to, we blew, here's some good mind, reminders on that. We lost to Freiburg, missed chances. Uh, Nils Peterson comes on as the sub and scores. David, uh, David Abraham, unfortunately, <coughs> catches uh, Christian strike with, I presented a pretty good clothesline <laughs> by pro wrestling standards. Um, he stepped in front of it. He earned it. He earned it. Um then they lost to Mines after having a 1-0 lead because Dominic Core got a red card. Then they blew a two-goal lead at home to Colm. Then they lost to Paderborn. Like, it was just a bad run. And this little run that we're seeing right now is reminding me so damn much of that. Which, let's see. But you know what? I, I'm, okay, I'm okay with the bad runs when Paderborn plays a great game and they catch us. But... Uh, I. I wouldn't even go so far as to say Leverkusen played a great game or or one of their better games. They didn't. And that's the part that frustrates me. I want a team that's going to lose 
but lose working. We didn't hard. make them and work. That's not we didn't the make case Leverkusen right. work, and labor, and that's no. frustrating. No. Yeah. So where that has us in the table now, um, which was kind of expected, uh, but based on other results in the league, Eintracht Frankfurt sitting at eighth right now on 21 points. That's three points back from Freiburg for sixth. Uh, Hoffenheim there in the middle with 23 points. Um, we're not going to get too far ahead on the table because it's so far out of reach at this point. Uh, the, the closest I'll look right now is that five hole with Borussia Dortmund there. Um, 15 matches played, 26 points. So we're five points back from Europa League, which given you know my ranting and raving here about how pathetic we are, we have done a few things right to stay within striking distance of Europe. Um, but that's not the standard we're supposed to have here. And, you know, for, for those out there that want to say, oh, we have to shake the Londish Diva mentality, um, part of that is setting standards and living up to them. So if the standard is make Europe every single year, then you're damn right I'm upset about being eighth in the table at the winter pause. That's not where I expect us to be. Um, fortunately, there's an opportunity to make up points, and it's coming in just a matter of hours. So we're going to take a break before we talk about it. Uh, but before we do, we're going to talk about what we're drinking. Um, Garrett, you were just talking to me about a delicious ice-cold beverage that's perfect for this kind of weather. And the fact that we're entering the Christmas holiday um, and plenty of plenty of time to take part in many festive meals um starting with my friends incredibly large extended family on saturday before the lions and then them giving me food um i am sitting here with a glass of i to be fair i did buy um fat-free milk just because i'm realizing that hey i need to modify some things but a nice glass of milk after the sweets that i've had earlier this evening you know, we watched the Red Wings almost come back from four goals down. We've talking about this frustration part that our um, Dino's boys ha are having. We're living in the hell of this Detroit Pistons team here. But at least I can enjoy the camaraderie of conversation with Chris and this glass of milk. I'm going to be honest. It, like, milk is a good winter drink. Because you're eating cake or you're eating some, you know, hot holiday leftovers. Ice cold milk is really hard to beat this time of year. Um, if for me, it's Gluvine season. I live on Gluvine and, you know, who doesn't? It's Christmas market season. It's Gluvine season. Um, but I am heavily medicated right now. As you can probably hear in the background, I'm making some horrible noises. And I apologize to producer Nathan for everything he's going to have to do to fix that. Um, but I have a couple cans of a Detroit staple, um, a summer staple here now the last couple of years. I know you're a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. The Verner's Black Cherry. Um, I actually sent a case of it out to Brian in Kansas City, and I think I almost got him ready to get on a plane and fly up here. <laughs> it's it's good stuff, man. I, I, I know – You've had it, right? The black cherry version. I've had the black cherry Fago, which I love. I don't know if I've had. Oh no! You got to go out and get the Verners. I I ended up buying like four cases of it that they still had at a local store here because I know they stopped shipping it out in like October. But man, for the uh, for the non-alcoholic uh, few drinks that I bring to this show, that 
that's an all-timer for me. And it's got me fired up. Uh, if you don't know, Werner's is medicinal. It allegedly, supposedly, makes all the the bad feelings go away. And that's what we need to happen for Eintracht here. So uh, we're going to take a break. Allow me to uh, compose myself. And then we're going to get right back into the Kevin Trapp debate in just a minute. Uh, so wherever you drink to Eintracht Frankfurt, in tears or in cheers, we say cross. Welcome back. Segment two, Hey on Track Frankfurt, episode 296. Uh, the wheels turning ever so quickly towards episode 300. That's going to come up shortly into the new year. Uh, Brian will be back for that one. We're going to have some good stuff, some unique stuff uh, going on there. And I hope it's a happier time. Uh, we, you know, for as much as we do complain here, myself especially, uh, this is a labor of love. We are fans being fans. It's an emotional thing to talk about a club that you're so passionate about that, you know, you really live and die. Your emotions every day are based on how this club, the ebbs and flows up and down. Um, I don't want to be here talking so negatively. I want to be smiling and happy and talking about all the great things we're doing. But the reality is I only do that when it's earned and it hasn't been earned. And We've avoided a subject uh, on that negative note for a few weeks uh, where it's been evident that a mainstay in the Eagle jersey is not living up to the standard um, that's set for him. And I certainly know, uh, because he's been around long enough, that Kevin Trapp expects himself to be better than he has been. Now, by no means, no means, I got to put this out there. <laughs> before the hate mail starts flowing in and Brian fires me. Um, by no means am I calling for Kevin Trapp to be let go, to leave the club, whatever it may be. Um, I just need him to get back in the right physical and mental frame of mind so he can be the game changer. You know, the, the four or five points that we're sitting back from our European position in the league right now, those are Kevin Trapp points. Uh, the match dropped at Aberdeen. Um, on a, on a goal where Kevin Trapp usually makes a better decision and, and makes a save on that first one. Um, going back a few matches, we've had Kevin Trapp unusual moments where he makes bad decisions in situations where he usually is more involved. Uh, miscommunication. What was the one where he had the miscommunication in the box with Tuta? That is not Kevin Trapp. And it's getting to the point now where it's affecting our ability to continue in this season um, and the effective, be as effective as we need him to be to have an effect on the game. Uh, Garrett, am I overreaching here or do we have serious questions about what Kevin Trapp can deliver for this group? I think we're also forgetting too the second game of the regular of the season against mine's a key error that, led us to fall behind and if it, we were going to lose to Mainz until Oma Marmush, you know, heroics and stoppage time got us a point. Um, 
for someone that's being the captain and, you know, all the heroics and, you know, he's going to get the stat- that statue you've talked about in prior episodes, he's not controlling that anchor in the back line where we're seeing these gaffes with Tuta. We're seeing these issues pointing there. And even the sending off against how controversial or not, still a situation that I don't think he would have gotten himself into in prior years. So, and if he's having issues and back stuff, I, it's, it makes me wonder why Rymai got sold to Ajax in the summer. You know, granted, we got twelve million from him. I, when I heard that, I was like, "We got what? How much?" That's a shocking number. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You have to make that move, but then don't you have to put a few million of it back into the replacement? Yeah, I mean, credit to Jens. I mean, Jens Grau has actually gotten some appearances this year, um, but Jens Grau is older than Kevin Trapp, but not by that much, and that is a very concerning thing in the sense of. Because I think when you look at the squad as a, as a whole, I don't. They didn't this the way that they planned in the off season, and that they planned like, oh, they're still going to be. They knew like, and I think they in the situation with Kevin Trapp mirrors the situation in the rest of the positions, and that was that the strategy that they had was they were only thinking, oh, we'll just lose Indica and Kamada, and that's all right. So got sold. Lindstrom got sold. We let Bore go thinking, okay, that's it. And then Rondo Koumouani's in. And now we're really like thinning out, meaning that we're asking a fuck ton out of players that are young and getting that moment um, without really backup reserves. And Rymite Ix and not getting that or even bringing in a young a young goalkeeper that's been rolling from, like, say, the reserve side that's been going in Regional Liga. That is a concerning thing to me because now it makes me wonder, what are they going to do in January? Like, what yeah. is – and because Kevin Trapp is another – it's another thing, too, with Kevin Trapp. Tie because Kevin Trapp is not the, you know uh, – and I, I'm saying this as someone who's starting to turn the second half of his 30s in a month. I'm not saying this like, you know, I'm some young chicken either. I'm not. Um, but when you're playing week in and week out as a goalkeeper, and Kevin Trapp is going to be 34 this coming summer, and he's going to have Euros, and he's battling out to be the number one, um, not just with Manuel Neuer, who's also one that, you know, time's starting to come to him too. Um, especially when it's Euro 2024 in Germany, and he's had some bad run performances lately. So I don't think he's I think I don't think he's got the confidence that he's normally had too. Am I wrong in saying that, Chris? Or have we felt like we've talked about that? You know, I, I was going to go that direction because I thought you turned the appropriate uh, angle there. Um, all of the offensive firepower that we lost, and and not just the goal scoring, but the confidence that we could score or we could manage the ball upfield as need be and, and have threat there allowed Kevin Trapp to really be confident with the guys in front of him. You could see it. You could feel it. He was more vocal. 
Uh, he was the first to to give attaboys to everybody and slap some guys on the rear end and, you know, fire them up. You're not seeing that Kevin Trapp right now. You're seeing the frustrated Kevin Trapp, the Kevin Trapp that, you know, found his way going to PSG because he wasn't feeling it here anymore. And I'm really, you know, it's, I'm going to give you the most stupid metric. And it's, I mean, it's a very stupid metric. It's not even a measurable metric. Um, but Kevin Trapp's in his element when he's posting photos of his morning coffee on Instagram, when he's posting videos of his workout of him in the gym. I haven't seen a video of Kevin Trapp in the gym in weeks, weeks. Um, that's, but that is who he is when he's feeling good, when he's confident in himself, he's sharing that part of his life and saying, I'm healthy. Look at what I'm squatting. Look at, look at the weight I'm putting up. Whatever it is, uh, I'm in the gym again. When Kevin Trapp's in the gym, he's good. When Kevin Trapp's on the training table, the whole team suffers. Uh, so if we need this winter pause to get him back healthy, if a month will do that, that's great. Now, if it's not great, I need to know what the alternative is. If he needs until February to get it together, I'm willing to give him that time the few weeks back at the end of January. Um, but what is the answer? Is he Jens Grawl? I mean, he's got one Bundesliga start. He's got a few uh, appearances altogether. But total, he's rated out at a 7.45 in the half-pod statistic zone metrics. Uh, for the totality of the season, Kevin Trapp only rates a 7.15. So I I don't think we have a choice. I think we have to look at Grawl as, as an option to allow Kevin Trapp to get healthy. And I mean as soon as this weekend against Borussia Mönchengladbach, or this week it is. Um, the other option, uh, Simon Simone, a young Albanian, only uh, 19 years old, goalie with a reserve side. Now, I know he was out injured. Uh, I'm getting mixed results in, in Google searches about whether he's back or not. I like the young guy. I think he's a goalie of the future caliber type of player. But again, he has zero senior team experience. So that's something we have to take uh, with some caution. But, you know, certainly uh, the Kevin Trapp question is open for debate. And I think um, I think Dino and, and Marcus Croce would be advised if this Kevin Trapp injury situation is going to linger and have an effect on where we go in the second half of the season and other competitions, that might be a position we need to address in the transfer window that's about to open up. Would you be willing to spend some money on that? I think we have an endless, um, I won't say an endless, but there's a lot of money probably in the war chest after some of the transactions that we've had in the summer. Yeah, I'm really shitty with my math, but look at the amount of money we spent versus what we brought in. There's a lot of money there. Well, we got 30 for Lindstrom, and I'm not even sure we spent 30 in the offseason. So, you know, 95, the money's there. Uh, 95 million maybe close to 100-something for Randall Cole Mawani. Um, well, you know, someone's going to say, oh, we're still in debt post-COVID and all that nonsense. I, I don't want to hear this. You want to be a big-name club, spend some big-name money in the right places. You don't have to just, spend it all. You don't have to spend irrationally and over overpay for guys. But this is a serious gap that needs to be filled um, because if Kevin Trapp goes down for an extended period of time, I don't want them pulling Garrett Komets 
from Warren, Michigan off the bench. I'm sorry, dude. You're not the right one. Dude, I haven't played in four years anyway. It would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, even though I do got my goalie gloves. Um, it's one of those things, too. It's just like, plus, you know, we also got, what, 15-ish million for so and all that. We can get in somebody, I feel like, because yeah. we know that we we have to fill the ranks because AFCON is coming up. We're losing three players for sure, provided that they're healthy and not going to get sick and you get again anytime soon or injured and scary. Important players too. Yeah. Yes. So we have to examine something um, and take a look at the situation on here. And, you know, and it's also, here's another thing too. It's not a really long break compared to prior years. It's only two or three weeks and then we're right back at it. Um, and we have two games in February now because due to partial Kevin Trapp errors and amongst other things, we put ourselves in a situation we probably didn't think we'd be in. I agree. So that's a topic for later discussion. We're certainly going to talk more about transfer market, um, during the winter pause, but now let's turn our attention to what's happening this week in just a few short hours. Uh, we're going to talk first about the Frauen match. Thursday, December 21st, 12.45 Eastern Time here in the States. That is 18.45 Central European Time. Um, Garrett, the Frauen are going to finish the 2023 calendar year back in Europa, UEFA, I did it again, UEFA Women's Champions League play, Group A, match day four against... A team we're very familiar with. We just talked about them a few minutes ago, Benfica. Now, the difference is the women are coming home. Uh, this match is being played in Deutsche Bank Park. That's a big deal. If you have the ability to be at this match, be there um, because they need help right now. Uh, match day four of six, they're sitting third in the table. Only the top two teams go through. Now, a victory here uh, puts them right back in that discussion for second. Um, but we still got Barcelona on the table again. So we can't, you know, we can't get to that point where, where we're too confident, but a victory here kind of puts things back in our, in our, the ball back in our court again. We get to make the calls. Uh, Rosengard sitting in fourth, zero points still. They're out of it. Uh, but Barcelona well ahead with nine points. Um, 14 goals for one against. That's our goal. Pretty much what was expected at the top. Um, Garrett, I'm expecting a little more than we got in the Benfica away match. I think Nico's squad has shown the resiliency to make adjustments. Um, and I think they're coming out with a two to one victory on Thursday against Benfica. What are your thoughts? You win this game, you come out at least in the second spot in the group. I feel confident in saying that. Uh, you have to win this game. There's no fucking excuse. Unless you, the Frauen do something magnificent and win in Barcelona. But guess what? That's on my birthday. So that's a possibility. Um, <laughs> um, but we got a month before that. So Thursday, 1245, Design Women's Football on YouTube, English language, German language, German. I think there's Portuguese, Spanish too. I could be off on that. Um, either way, they know that they weren't clinical. Benfica were. That was the match last Wednesday. They put four past Freiburg. They're rolling. 
there's going to be a good crowd. There better be at least at close to the crowd that you got for Barcelona. Um, it's the Adler. There's sh I want a clean sheet. There ain't going to be no damn clean sheet. Um, <laughs> three one, yeah, Adler. Um, okay. I, I think Benfica's defense is strong, um, but I, I saw enough in the resiliency after the last match against them. I think they'll figure some things out. Uh, Nico has made strong adjustments before, and I've questioned him from time to time, uh, but he's sh really shown the ability the second time around against the team to improve on, on earlier round results. Not this tournament, obviously, in Bundesliga play, but... Uh, in this tournament, I don't see why that would be any different. So Thursday Clear afternoon, uh, goal score is shit. Uh, and Yomi, as long as she keeps putting them in. Uh, I like the way uh, Barbara Dunst responded recently. Um, but let's get one from the back line. Let's, let's shove some bodies in the box on a corner kick, put a ball in there. Um, Pavalic? Maybe. Pavalic with her first goal in match day one against Rosengard. Um, that's a very good possibility. I'm going on Yoni. She's been on fire. She's got one at least in her. Frygain's getting one. Um, Laura Prashnikar feeds so many goals. Um, <laughs> but is Grava going to start or is Grava going to come on as a sub? You know, I, that that's an interesting one. I think going into the break, it's either, there's no it's reason either to her, save legs. It's either her or Reutler, right? Yeah. Uh, um, who ran out against Benfica last time? I think Reutler. But um, yeah. I'd say, so I said Anyomi, I said Frygain. You know what? We've talked about it. She's had some good appearances. Shakira Martinez. She gets one. That'd be a big happy birthday for me. I hope you're right. <laughs> or Merry Christmas for me. That, that would be all the gift I need is a Shakira Martinez um, goal on Thursday afternoon. So but we let's know, talk about but the But we do know side. that Benfica are a very good team. So we just have to, like you said, go at it right from the get-go. That's right. Let's get back to the men's side here. Uh, the big match coming up in a few hours to end 2023. Uh, please, for the love of God, send us into a winter pause, feeling a little better. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt against Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, Wednesday, December 20, 2.30 here in the eastern part of the United States. That's 20.30 um, Central European time. So if you find yourself at a Christmas market, uh, leave, go somewhere, go to the match, find a TV. I know. I love the Christmas markets. I can't get enough glue vine in my body. But there's some more important things right now, and that's on track Frankfurt. Uh, this this team needs our support. They need something. They need to hear somebody um, calling their name. So, Garrett, uh, what, do you know, what do we know about Gladbach? Uh, for the Americans, they got Joe Scully, the young 20-year-old from Long Island. Uh, he's featured in eight matches for the American senior squad. No goals yet, but... He's a nice, promising young defender there. Um, what else do you, can you tell me about Gladbach this year? Uh, they've been getting a little bit more consistent lately in the last handful of matches, getting some goals in, Alisson play. 
um, has you know a fixture for them the last few seasons. He's got seven goals for Munchen Gladbach. Um, Tomas Chavancheros had four, although part of it was early on in the year. One of the ones that's been really emerging right lately for Borussia Mönchengladbach, and I remember I talked about him but didn't recognize his name, Rocco Reitz, um, a Munchen, um for a Borussia Mönchengladbach mem- uh, member since birth, uh, in their academy, I believe, since either age seven or nine. Um, got a run of game, got a run lately. He's up to four goals now, um, bagging goals consistently, four goals and an assist. Um, you know, a young, fiery player that's probably given this help, given this team a, a motion lab like a spark that they needed. Um, on the rot for them, he's got five assists. So they're, you know, they're 11th in the table. They're four points behind us. Um, they got 30 goals scored this year. The problem is they've given up 33. So there's going to be some open and comparison. We've allowed 19, which is up in the higher part of U.S. goals conceded in the league. We just can't score like they can right now. So they're going to be open, but this is where you can play transition football and catch chances. That's what you've got to do to beat this team. Yeah. Um, I look at a couple critical areas. Uh, You talked about goals scored. That's certainly an area where they outpace us. Um, One of the areas where – I'm a little bit concerned. We turn the ball over significantly more than them uh, to the tune of about 15 times uh, in a 90-minute period on average, 15 more turnovers. We can't do that, especially against a team that scores the amount of goals they do. Uh, we're going to be dead on arrival if we try to do that. So uh, the other part I look at is the sense of space, uh, our short Passing and mid-range passing has improved quite a bit recently, but we need to keep a shape to do that. Uh, the fluidity that you talked about earlier in the last match against Leverkusen is not going to work against Gladbach. Uh, we have to not turn the ball over. Our short passing has to be effective and on point because those turnovers will lead to goals. So that's a big concern for me. As far as the rosters, I don't see a lot on their team sheet. It scares me. Um, I don't see any former Eintracht players, which is probably good because they just love to eat us up. Um, did I miss anybody? I don't think so. Um, uh, Jill, former anyone that's your former Dortmund player, Julian Weigel, um, yes, is, a, is someone that's. But he's not really had. He's been a leader for them, but he hasn't been one that's provided the numbers of the goals and the assists compared to like Wright, Search, Avanchera, Honorat, or uh, Play. Yeah, he came in from Benfica in the summer, and uh, you know, just it's been different than than what we saw from him when he was in Dortmund. Um, fair to wager a guess for this one. So, are we going to go in? Is Diabler going to satisfy us going into the Christmas holiday um, and give us three points or give us something that's been better than the last couple games that we've seen? Um, I feel like that being under the vault stadium, if they don't do that early on, the fans are going to light their ass on fire and force it out of them. So my thing is... Once again, the Adler can't keep a clean sheet as much as we want to. 
I'm not going three one. I'll go two one because how many is Leverkusen and Aberdeen back to back going to be that thing to be like? Let's we know let's we're doing this again. Wake up! Let's go into the break in good form. I have faith that they do. I've also been let down before. Please let that not be the case on Wednesday. You know, we had a discussion in our Discord chat where we were trying to look at the historical consequences of wins or losses before the break and how it affects us coming out of the break. There's there's no easy answer to it. It doesn't help us one way or the other. But what I think is critically important as we ask Krosha and and Dino to put together a more solid group to come out in January. If we can make a couple moves and integrate some guys into the roster in January that can make us stronger, we have to show them there's something there. And three points on Wednesday says, hey, we still got a shot at this thing. We still have a shot to qualify for Europe. Um, All of our competition goals domestically are still on the table if we take care of this. And not to mention, you keep bringing up the two extra matches in February in European play. Um, there's a reason to be optimistic if we're buyers in the window. Um, but I think one of the things we have to do is get a result this week. Um, I think we're going to do it, but man, do I think we're going to, we're going to have to struggle to get there. I actually think Gladback's going to score early and it's going to get us all nervous. It's going to terrify us. Um, but for some reason, I have this feeling that we're going to have a strong second half and put things together and come out with a two to one victory. I have no idea why I'm feeling that. It's probably all this medication that just hit my head. But you know what? I'm seeing things clearly right now. As difficult as things are, it's not the worst we've seen it, not by a mile. So I'm confident in a two one victory. Uh, what was your prediction again, Garrett? I got two one uh, for this one. Two one. All right. Uh, so we're curious to hear what you have to say. Hit us up on social media on X, formerly known as Twitter at HEF pod. Um, again, halfpod.com with all of our social media links, including the link to the 24 hour discord chat. Um, uh, Matt's back on the Instagram. Uh, give us your feedback there. Tell us what you think is going to happen and share with us where you're going to watch from. Uh, Garrett, where are you going to be watching this week? Um, I will probably be at the confines of my own place. I might swing by Hamlin Rochester um, to see about that, but TBD on there. Um, but in the meantime, on the socials and all that, you can find personals, Facebook, oh, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, GM, Comats, Eintracht Frankfurt, Detroit, SKA, Diadler, where um, you will not only find out where we'll be watching matches at, but also some other opinions here and there. Um, did not mention in there also Union St. Galice, um, is, uh, for conference league. So, you know, we'll, as we get closer and closer to February and that I'll probably drop some hits on there, kind of some fun teaser stat lines. Uh, but we have time before then. So the main thing is let's get a result on Wednesday. Absolutely. And uh, of course you can hit me up. Um, you can ride with me on Peloton. That'd be fun. I rode with another, uh, Frankfurt person the other day and she kicked my ass. So um, props to you. You like 
doubled my mileage output. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, on all the socials at C and the D 313, uh, of course, halfpod.com or linktree.com forward slash HEF pod for all those links as well. Uh, we're well over time. We thank Nathan in Detroit. I'm sorry. <laughs> we thank Nathan in St. Louis uh, for putting this episode together like he does all of them. His fantastic show art, um, which I'm actually hanging in my basement as we speak. It's fantastic. Uh, he's a great artist. He's a great producer. This show would be absolutely nothing without him. So we thank him and uh, those contribute to our music and all of those of you that listen every single week. Uh, we really appreciate you tuning in week after week, complaint after complaint, and of course, for the celebration and victory as well. And we'll see you again next time on HEPPOD. Thanks for listening. Cheers. For those out there that want to say, oh, we have to shake the Laundish Diva mentality, part of that is setting standards and living up to them. There's only one way to shake the ugly nickname. It's to smash a mirror. Hey, I'm a fine for a child, la 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 la. Hey, I'm a fine for a child, la 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 la.